for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing breach delivery. As ever, all guidelines mentioned will be correct at the time of recording. Any guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hi everyone, it's uh, Jamie, one of the teaching fellows in emergency medicine. Um, and Anna, one of the teaching fellows in obstetrics and gynaecology. Um, so in this podcast we're going to be talking about um, breach at term um, management. Um, I think we already mentioned that uh, when we started in this podcast that obs and gynae terms mean different things in diff- for different specialties. So um, a breach presentation for A&E would be somebody staying longer than four hours uh, with, the, uh, with management getting very unhappy. Uh, we're not talking about that though, are we? Uh, no. <laughs> what, what, what does breach mean to you as an obstetrician? Um, so breach to me means that the buttocks or the the bottom of the fetus basically is um, presenting first to the maternal pelvis. So we'd call that a breach presentation. Okay. And um, what does term mean when it comes to some uh, a breach presentation? So the, the definition of term is more than 37 weeks. Probably with respect to breach, you'd start to um, kind of worry about it anything more than 36 weeks. Um, at that stage, you start offering some of the management options that we're talking about. Okay. Prior to that, um, well, the more preterm somebody is, the more likely breach presentation is. And so you wouldn't worry about it so much if it was like less than 36 weeks. So that 36 weeks, the point of making a decision, is it? Yeah, and the point of offering the um, some of the things that we can do to try and change the breach presentation. Okay. How is it diagnosed? So mainly on abdominal palpation, a lot of these women will just be having routine midwifery-led care um, and at 36 weeks or thereabouts, she'd have a routine um, appointment in the community and on palpation, the midwife may suspect that the baby is breech. Um, the mother may kind of say that she feels all of her kicks at the lower part of her abdomen, mm. so that may kind of give you a bit of a clue, but that kind of palpation of the abdomen will... Um, highlight that perhaps there's a problem but then the actual diagnosis would be made by way of an ultrasound scan just to confirm that it is breach presentation okay um are there any causes that we know of um for breach so there are some causes i've already said the more preterm somebody is then the more likely the baby will be breech so someone's going into preterm labor then it's more likely to be to be breached than if they go into labor at term for that reason um there could be some things like the placenta is abnormally sighted, so it could just be the placenta is sighted in the uterus in such a position that is not otherwise an issue, but for some reason it's stopping the head coming into the pelvis properly. Or it could be a placenta previa, so the, the placenta is in the lower part of the uterus covering the cervix, and that obviously stops the head fitting in the pelvis nicely. Um, there are other causes... Um, that the uterus of the woman is an abnormal shape so that can be a varying degrees like a heart shape or right through to actually the woman having two uteruses I've got a very strange look now from wow. Jamie that is a possible <laughs> uteruses um, and there's varying degrees in between basically of um, abnormally shaped uterus uteri <laughs> um, which would mean that the baby doesn't fit properly in that kind of that normal shape and therefore the head doesn't fit in the pelvis properly and you're more likely to get a breech presentation but most of the time we don't really know there's no absolute re- there's no absolute cause that can be identified it's just by chance okay um but it, we, uh, only about three to five percent of babies will be breech at term oh. so it's not desperately common okay 
Uh, and so when we've identified it, what are the management options open to us? Um, so there's three things that we'll generally discuss with the woman. The first one is an external cephalic version, or an ECV. The second is an elective caesarean section. And the third is a vaginal breach delivery. Um, and generally, in that order, unless the woman has a particular preference that she just wants one of those things straight away. Okay. So um, what is an ECV then? What, would you, what takes place? So with an ECV, um, we are basically externally trying to put pressure on the baby from outside the uterus to encourage the baby to do a forward or a backwards roll. Um, it sounds probably worse than it is actually, so it shouldn't be painful to the mother. If it starts to be really painful during that process, then actually we, we should stop and say that that's not been, as, uh, been successful. Um, otherwise, yeah, so gentle manipulation on, this, on the tummy, we get the breech out of the pelvis and then pressure around basically to encourage the baby to turn so that the head ends up at the bottom in the maternal pelvis. Fetal gymnastics. Yeah. Uh, benefits to that, I'm guessing, non-surgical? Yeah, so uh, non-surgical, um, should not be painful, as I said, might be slightly uncomfortable, day case procedure, um, well, not even a surgery, but it's done <laughs> as a day, it's a day, they don't have to stay overnight, is what yeah. I mean by that. Um, and it, if it's successful, then it allows them to have, hopefully, a straightforward vaginal delivery. Yeah. Um, any risks? Um, the main risk is that of failure, so it's the, the success rate is about 50%. Okay. Um, but it depends on various factors like the size of the mother, the size of the baby, how much fluid is around the baby. So like factors that you wouldn't necessarily be able to alter. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that's the main thing, that it so doesn't they work. Be, they need to be counselled that there's a 50-50 chance this yeah. won't work. Some people, some, op some people that do it, some consultants or operators, their success rates will be slightly higher, mm. but overall 50-50. Are there any contraindications when we just can't do ECV? Um, yeah, so coming back to just actually one of the risks, yeah. um, and that's the main risk, one of the other risks which is possible is that we cause some kind of fetal distress during okay. the procedure, so we have to monitor the baby continuously with the scan, mm. making sure that we do a CTG, so the, mm. the monitoring of the fetal heart before and after. It's very mm. unlikely, mm. but it's possible that you then need to do an emergency caesarean section for that reason also possible to cause um, bleeding or cause a placental abruption from the pressure on the abdomen. Again, not very likely to be the case, but might need an emergency caesarean section. Uh, coming on to the contraindications, because of the risk of an abruption, one of the absolute contraindications is if the patient's had some bleeding in the last seven days, then you absolutely wouldn't do an ECV in that case. Um, other things are if the patient has another reason why they need a caesarean section, so they've got placenta previa, for example, and you're already going to do a caesarean section, there's absolutely no reason to try and turn the baby. Um, if someone's had a caesarean section before, it's not an absolute contraindication, but maybe a relative one, um, that there's already a scar on the uterus, so it's just kind of with caution in discussion with the mother. So like the strength of the uterus basically there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so not an absolute, but a relative contraindication. Okay. Um, so 
saying you know you've tried ECV doesn't work, or say you, you, your mother in front of you just says that you know I want a, an elective cesarean. Then, um, yep. what are the benefits of doing an elective C-section? So the benefit, if if you're only doing a cesarean because the baby is breech, is that you avoid her having a vaginal breech delivery, mm. um, which will come to kind of some of the risks of that basically in a while. That's really the only benefit you're affording her. <laughs> um, so the main things with an elective cesarean section, we're, we're talking about the risks, and they're your standard surgical risks, yeah. so bleeding, infection, DVT, PE, um, damage to other structures, bladder, bowel, ureters, um, and thinking about the long-term consequences um, in terms of needing repeat elective cesareans potentially in the future, yeah. increasing the risk of um, bleeding, uh, the more cesarean sections that you have. Yeah. And the potential of there being problems with the placenta being implanted in the wrong part or being ad, you know, ad- adherent abnormally yeah. to the scar. Again, the more cesareans you have. Um, risk to the baby, really that of small chance of a fetal laceration, potentially bleeding problems as well. Yeah. Um, breathing problems, not bleeding. <laughs> Baby's not bleeding. The breathing problems yeah. in the baby um, is possible. Okay. Is there a point of uh, a number of C-sections after which you can't have a, um, a normal vaginal delivery, you can only keep having C-sections? Or um, So if you've had two or more caesareans, you'd, we'd, all, we'd recommend you at that point to have repeat caesareans. Okay. Um, saying that, I have known women have normal births having had two caesareans in the past, so it's not that it's abnormal, mm. uh, sorry, it's not that it's impossible, it's just the risk of there being a problem with the scar um, in labour is higher the more caesareans that you have. Um, So when should this elective caesarean take place then? Um, So if if it's just for breach and no other reason then not before 39 weeks that's because we w- the risk of there being breathing problems in the baby so we the transient tachypnea of the newborn or TTN um, is higher if there's an elective caesarean section before 39 weeks so if there's no other indication wait till 39 so uh, 36 weeks we've identified the breach we'd say in three weeks time after 39 weeks this yep. would be the point we'd be booking in our lady yep. for an elective c-section yep okay um, so um, now onto vaginal um, breach births. Um, what are the the risk factors there? Well, the risks, sorry, of uh, vaginal breach birth. Um, so <coughs> the main ones we worry about are the fact that it's not a normal delivery, and there are sometimes things that can happen that mean that you need a skilled member of staff to be able to manage that delivery. And unfortunately, as more and more women now have their breach babies by cesarean there's a de-skilling basically of the workforce people are not as good as at managing complications associated with breach as perhaps they were 30 years ago and so women need to understand that there might not be someone there who has all the skills we do all a vaginal breach birth has kind of become an emergency it's not really an emergency it's just that in order to practice the skills that you might need to manage some of those complications it's done in skills drill sessions that we do with the midwives Um, but it's not a common occurrence that we see Mm. these things Um, there is a risk of uh, cord prolapse because if you're when the breach is basically kind of coming down it's not completely a perfect circle plugging the hole and so the cord could slip down and obviously that would become an emergency because the cord is prolapsed Mm. 
And the last thing that could happen that's actually pretty uncommon, but we do worry about, is head entrapment. Um, the head of the baby is the largest part, and in a normal vaginal birth, that head would have time to kind of mould and squeeze and fit through the pelvis. In a vaginal breech birth, that's not the case, because the head is the last part of the baby to be delivered and so you worry that either because the pelvis is inadequate or because in fact more commonly the cervix is not completely dilated the head is entrapped at that point if the rest of the baby is delivered there's a significant risk of hypoxic injury to the baby mm, okay um i'm guessing so then if it's if it's a, a vaginal uh, breech birth won't be midwife led there'll be doctors present uh, yeah, so um, if it was known about, so obviously yeah. some, sometimes yeah. um, it's not diagnosed until right towards the end of labour yeah. and you realise <laughs> that there's a pair of buttocks sitting <laughs> there. Yeah. And then obviously... That doesn't uh, look like a head. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so you, would ex- wouldn't, you wouldn't recommend this woman to be delivering at home. You would recommend a hospital delivery where there is staff around that could help if there is complications. Mm. To be honest... Most of the time, if there's a vaginal breach delivery, they have no complications at all. Sure. Our motto is hands off the breach. So actually, unless there is a problem, you don't do anything. You sit on your hands and allow the baby to basically come down and be born normally. Mm. And most babies will actually, you know, it's quite interesting to watch actually. The arms and legs kind of pop out and they manoeuvre themselves and they actually do kind of work themselves out. Mm. And the best thing to do in that case is... To do absolutely do nothing at all mm. the more you put your hands on the breech the more it encourages the baby to arms to go up in the air and the head to extend okay. and all of those things are likely to you know going to cause more problems than good so most of the time actually they deliver without any problems i should add that <laughs> if the mother's had a previous vaginal breech and has you know proven her pelvis and it's coming you know is, is that yeah. reassuring yeah i think so and even if it's not been a v- previous vaginal breech delivery but if it's been any kind of previous vaginal delivery and then that mother tells you that actually she'd rather have a vaginal breech delivery than a cesarean mm. then you'd feel kind of i think yeah more more encouraged by that woman because she's already had vaginal births before mm. than perhaps if it was her first time where we just don't know sure uh, are there any contraindications to vaginal breach um really if there's another reason for a cesarean section anyway which we've already touched upon so she already needs a cesarean because she's had three cesareans in the past or she's had percent she's got percent previa or something like that um or it's really maternal wish actually so if the mother doesn't want a vaginal breach birth <laughs> then that's the biggest contraindication <laughs> Um, in your own sort of practice and things you see, which do women tend to go for? Um, I think generally we would recommend an ECV first. Just go in that order. In the order we've discussed. Yeah. Um, because actually, <coughs> that's not that risky, and if it doesn't work, we can just go on to the other options anyway. Yeah. So you haven't really lost anything. Um, and then probably elective cesarean, more women are going to go for that than vaginal birth. Because when we're counselling people about the potential risks, obviously women who are having their babies, they don't really want to take any kind of potential no, of risk not. most of the time, and so they'll go for that elective cesarean section. But who knows? I think practice maybe might will change over time. Mm. We might see actually more women having vaginal breech deliveries, and actually as that happens, more people will obviously become skilled in some mm. of the, in the complications, and so maybe it will become more common. Mm. Um, I think it might just be worthwhile adding before we finish why why it is like this. You know, why 
yeah. why do we deliver all babies who are breached by cesarean if they can be born normally mm. and it's all on the back really of a trial that happened called the term breach trial where they found that the early neonatal outcomes were worse in the vaginal breach group okay. than the cesarean group mm. so things like so uh, mortality rate and also kind of um, admission to neonatal units and um, hypoxic injury was higher in that group but when they did the long-term follow-up between those two groups there was no difference between the vaginal birth group and the cesarean group so just that neonatal period so that initial kind of immediate mm. neonatal period the outcomes are worse long term doesn't make any difference okay and i suppose there is if you're going for the vaginal breach if the mother wants a vaginal breach but things aren't progressing as well you can still go for emergency c-section absolutely for any the same as you would do even if the baby was presenting cephalic it's always an option yeah okay. was the breach delivery take already podcast you can find us on both Facebook and Twitter where we'll put up links to any guidelines mentioned and you can contact us to suggest topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. For more information on education and research opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, you can find NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.